Hello, and welcome to Cage Club. Two fans, 75 movies, one cage. This is episode 48, Too Tough to Die, a tribute to Johnny Ramone from 2006. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and this is kind of a little bit of a Cage Club detour. Not a movie that was originally on our slate, but when we found out that he was a talking head in this, basically, I sort of figured he was going to be interviewed about Johnny Ramone, and it turns out he's getting a little bit different. But we figured, like Welcome to Hollywood, we would give this a shot, and it turns out that he's actually in this movie, so it's kind of a welcomed detour. Yeah, it was a a very relieved detour by the end of it that we didn't sort of drive off into a dead end like we did with Welcome to Hollywood. He's actually in this one. We're counting it. So the movie's not super long. It's like an hour and 15 minutes. It's basically half concert film, half interviews about the Ramones and about Johnny Ramone. The concert that takes place was, I think it was September 12th, 2004? Yes. It was the Ramones' 30th anniversary show in Hollywood. And instead of the Ramones performing, they had a bunch of famous punk bands and rock bands come on stage and cover their songs. You know, we get the Red Hot Chili Peppers, we get Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam, we get X, we get a whole bunch of different bands. They're all performing Ramones songs. In between all these different things, we're hearing people talking about the Ramones, talking about Johnny Ramone, because as this concert was taking place, he was unfortunately very close to death, dying from prostate cancer. It's mostly a... DVD of the tribute concert interspersed with sort of a light documentary about Johnny and the rest of the Ramones and their history, the way they changed rock and roll and how they influenced all the people and all of the people in these, you know, big bands that showed up to pay tribute to the Ramones and and cover their songs. It's pretty cool. I mean, we got the DVD for like four bucks. I think it was like barely over four. And it's cool. Like, I mean, just even as a concert film, it's pretty cool. And then by the end of the movie, and we'll get to it in a little bit, Cage shows up at Johnny Ramone's funeral to talk about him, to say a little few words. So in terms of this, it's cool that it fits in there. But just as itself, like, I mean, I'm not a huge Ramones fan. I do like the Ramones. I like listening to their music. I I saw a really cool Ramones cover band last year at Coachella. I like them. And so I think, I mean, it's, it's worth to me four bucks just to see a bunch of cool bands, bands you know, talking about the Ramones and covering their songs. Yeah, it was definitely great to see the Chili Peppers play the Ramones set and to see, you know, Eddie Vedder next to, you know, Tim Armstrong from Rancid, right? Like, just these mashup bands for one night only, you know, Henry Rollins up there with, like, Dickie Barrett. And so that was really great. I am a huge Ramones fan, actually. You know, when I was 13, I remember hearing the Ramones pretty much for the first time and being an instant fan. And they were already well into their career, but it was their song Pet Cemetery for the film Pet Cemetery that made me interested in in more of their music (laughs) and you know i went back to the start and discovered they were the guys who sang blitzkrieg bop and from there it was pretty much over it was a love affair forever between me and the ramones it was cool to see something about the ramones that i hadn't seen before and you know it made me want to go listen to the rest of their catalog (laughs) once again i haven't really been keeping up with them but they're always in the back of my mind the movie's a little bittersweet because by this point in time joey ramone had died dd had died johnny was about to die so the ramones that really people knew and loved the band that inspired all this no longer existed and so really the closest thing you could have it's it's kind of weird to call it a 30th anniversary show it was more of like a a benefit because i think Mm -hmm. most if not all the proceeds went to cancer research it happened for a reason it was there for a cause they were doing good stuff and it's just like a cool thing i think they say in the beginning of the movie that they're the biggest band in history that's never had a really big smash hit 
that they're a band that everybody knows and everybody knows their songs, but there's not really, I mean, like, maybe Blitzkrieg Bop or Rockaway Beach, like, those are kind of big, but they're not huge. So it's cool to see this band with this storied history, all these really influential people who have become more famous, I guess, than the Ramones, right? Mm-hmm. They come back and their roots are all in this music. Yeah, they're a real enigma in a way because they're so iconic, you know, and they're credited for almost starting the punk scene, at least in New York City, and influencing much of that British punk wave that was to come as well. But they never sort of seem like a mainstream band, you know? It's like people would always reference them as, you know, one of their favorites or someone that influenced them. And yet, you're right, they never really topped the charts, right? They always just sort of seemed like an underground band as well as being on top of the world. It's very strange in that regard. It's sort of all by choice, right? Like, they almost seem like they didn't necessarily want to be popular. Like, it was cooler in terms of the punk rock thing to not be sellout major superstar artists. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know that they necessarily avoided the spotlight, but I think it's kind of fitting that the punk movement that they sort of, you know, embody or represent, they didn't become huge. Like Everybody knows them, but nobody really knows them, unless you're really into that kind of thing. And that's sort of why they're so legendary, right? Because to a degree, they are this legend. They've sort of become bigger by word of mouth. You know, and like people who have never actually heard the Ramones or don't know Blitzkrieg Bop is a song right. of theirs, you know, still know the name the Ramones, and if you showed them a picture, you could definitely point them out of a lineup or something <laughs> like that, you know? So it's just interesting how they transcend so much of popular culture. That's kind of an interesting trend transition because the reason we're doing this for Cage Club is because at Johnny Ramone's funeral, which happened not too long after this concert, I don't think, Nicholas Cage, who was a longtime friend of Johnny Ramone, and we kind of have a little bit of backstory there, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second, they built a 50,000-pound, 8-foot-tall bronze statue of Johnny Ramone in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. People are going to come to that statue, and they're going to pay tribute to it, and kids are going to go, hey, who's that cool-looking guy over there, Mom, with the uh, guitar and the leather jacket and the funny haircut? I want to be that guy. What you're talking about in terms of picking people out of a lineup, like, everybody knows what the Ramones look like, who they are, they have this iconic look. It is cool. You know, Rob Zombie, who emceed this event, this concert, says, I think he has one line in the movie that he says, I figured, hey, I looked as weird as they did. Like, I could be a rock star too. Like, they're just like this kind of weird, because they were cool, their look is cool. And so being able to pick them out of the lineup, being able to see the statue with this guy with this like mop of head of hair, mm-hmm. it's just cool. Yeah, and I, and I always just appreciated how true they stayed to themselves. You know, throughout time, they did have to add and subtract members for different reasons, health reasons, other reasons, but they never like changed up their look. It was always the leather jacket and the tight jeans and the white t-shirt or the striped t-shirt, but you never saw them dyeing their hair, different crazy colors or plastering tattoos all over their arm. It was like a tried and true band you know like you could always count on them to be the Ramones and I think that's one of the things I loved about them most was just how damn consistent they were they knew what they were doing they knew what their image was they knew what worked and they just stuck with it yeah I don't know enough about the Ramones to I don't know as much about the Ramones as I do about Cage let's just put it (laughs) like that I think like their consistency is sort of what made them legendary that in terms of their look in terms of their style in terms of everything they were just so consistent 
and stayed the course and made sure that what they were doing was the same, and not in a bad way, but just the same from start to finish. Like Nick Cage himself, they always kind of found a way to work their way into the decade and be relevant. They never really had to change what they were doing. Yeah, they explored and grew like any band would, and, you know, on one of their albums, it was produced by Phil Spector, so he started bringing in horns and pianos and all kinds of crazy shit, and then after that, they got a little more back to basics, but I don't know, it's just great music. I loved it. Haven't really spoken about them in a while, and Maybe I just forgot like how much they meant to me growing up and being in bands in high school and playing drums and and things like that. Like I would, these are the guys that like I learned playing drums along with in my headsets and and stuff like that. So I'm getting a little choked up, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> the tie between Johnny Ramone, the Ramones, and Cage Club. They were just friends. Nicolas Cage and Johnny Ramone were friends. And I think Mike knows a little bit more about that. But in a movie that we're going to get to really soon, The Wicker Man, at the end of The Wicker Man, The Wicker Man was dedicated to Johnny Ramone's memory. And people online, if you Google Wicker Man or Nicolas Cage, Johnny Ramone, everybody wants to know what's the connection there. Apparently, Johnny Ramone introduced Nicolas Cage to the original Wicker Man. And so when Cage became involved in the remake, became a producer, became a star... It meant so much to him, like, I guess really he thought the only reason he was involved with that was because of Johnny Ramone, so they dedicated that movie to him. So, I mean, that's sort of after the fact, that's after Johnny died, but that's kind of a cool little touch. Like, this is kind of like part one yeah. of this, like, two-part little mini Cage Club sprint. Right around the time we found out about this film, Too Tough to Die, the tribute to Johnny Ramone, we were watching Wind Talkers, and... I don't always get the time or opportunity to listen to audio commentaries, but that time I had started to listen to the Wind Talkers commentary. Nick Cage is doing the audio commentary with Christian Slater, and they're just really just hanging out and watching the movie. And at one point, Nick Cage is talking about how his character, is he going to vomit or should he vomit? He felt like it would be a good idea to show that side of his character. And he tells Christian Slater, you know, I mentioned that to Johnny Ramone. We were talking about this film and what I was working on, and I said, I'm thinking maybe my character should vomit when he's in the middle of battle. And and like a bell went off in my head, you know? I was like, oh, <laughs> we just found out about he's in this documentary and, and now he's talking about him like they've hung out and they're friends and everything. So yeah, that was just another weird sort of connection that validated us watching this film too. So imagine being in a battle sequence of course. with your inner ear completely out. You're going to puke. Now, that's a little too realistic maybe for, you know, John Q. Public. But I did try to go for it. Well, that, look, there's a hint. Of, yeah. There's a hint of the yes. remainder of the deal. Yeah. But I remember I, I, I was talking to a friend of mine named Johnny Ramone from the Ramones, and he was saying, well, no, no, Nick, you can't, you can't vomit. I mean, that, that's not right. I mean, didn't you see, uh, I didn't like it when uh, Sean Connery and uh, Dr. No, he vomited. And I said, no, no. I said, no, he didn't vomit. He goes, yeah, he did. I said, look, put it on. Let's look at it. So he, he it's with a tarantula scene, and then he goes into the bathroom, and then he comes out and he puts his hand over his stomach. I said, well, but he didn't vomit. <laughs> we had a bet on it. He goes, well, that made it imply that he did. And I sort of like, if you have, a, if you have like a, a, a heroic character, you should not have that heroic character be vomiting. Okay. <laughs> Johnny Ramone recommended that his character not throw up because it wouldn't make him seem manly, but Nick Cage, in fact, does, and I think to, to great effect. However, it was, <laughs> it's just like so cool that they were just talking about wind talkers and choices and things like that. I think it's interesting that up until, say, a month ago, we didn't know at all about this connection between Cage and Ramone, and then we learned about this movie, and then you heard that in the wind talkers thing, and then we would see it in The Wicker Man, so it's kind of like this flurry <laughs> of activity 
that we don't really necessarily know how they met. They might have met through Lisa Marie Presley, who Cage was married to and who seemed, based on the movie, to be a really close friend with Johnny Ramone. I don't know. Like, I don't know if they knew him beforehand, but it seemed like they were really close. And, I mean, they were close enough to the point where Cage would be asked to speak at Johnny's funeral. Yeah. And I, I'm sure he went on sort of for a while. First of all, like, he looks really, really thin. Did he seem really thin to you? Yeah, he definitely he definitely looked different than, what did we just see him in? Matchstick Men? He looked kind of frail. Real life cage, you know? <laughs> like, I was worried watching the movie that it was going to be another Welcome to Hollywood where he didn't show up, and we're like an hour and three minutes into an hour and 15 minute movie, and then you hear his voice before you see him. If you look at his career, he was working construction in New York, he saw a guitar in a window and he spent a few dollars bought the guitar learned a few chords nothing so unusual nothing so complicated but in the way he attacked those chords like he was saying stick up for yourself respect yourself never let yourself down he willed the ramones to happen and he changed the face of rock and roll music he's just like speaking from the heart and like you can tell that he cares about this guy that he was kind of inspired by the guy that he respected what this guy stood for and it was cool to see this guy. I mean, we know, we've known through Cage Club that Cage cares about music. We talked about in his directorial effort, Sonny, where he had all sorts of cool music picked out. We know that he loves Elvis. We know that in The Rock, he loves, he's a Beatlemaniac. He's always like his characters and both his, and sort of his persona have had this close tie to music. And I think it's totally and completely fitting here that he would be so inspired by and passionate about this legendary rock star. Yeah, one thing I, I, that popped into my head was Valley Girl. When he was doing the role of Valley Girl, I wondered if he was walking around listening to the Ramones in his headset because his character in that, you know, is pretty much like a punk from, from the Hollywood scene and crosses over into the Valley. I was thinking about, like, this musical connection. You know, Cage sometimes, you know, he doesn't do a lot of commentary, but when he does, he sort of talks about how he likes how music is very influenced by that and brings it to his performance in the way that he talks and the cadence of his speech and how he likes to deliver lines and he tries to find the rhythm of the music of the words and things so yeah it's just really nice to see that his personal life followed that as well right like one of his best friends is a legendary musician and you know he really surrounded himself with what he believed and what he liked and what he thought would help him grow as a person and i can definitely see now that we are talking about it like a, a sort of a johnny ramone maybe influence on nick cage throughout the years just in some of the way he will deliver a snide remark or throw an inflection of maybe like more of a punk attitude at something like now i'm thinking you know is did he get that from johnny is he thinking of that or or, or something along those lines it's it's fun to think about it's really cool I, I i like it i'm glad that we watched this movie i mean there's not a whole lot here to talk about just because he's only on screen for maybe about 35 seconds but you can tell that it's something he's passionate about that it's something he cares about and just kind of a cool little detour a little break from the the, the regular cage movies we have another one of these little detours coming up in a little bit i think about four or five years after this about another topic that cage is kind of closely affiliated with i don't want to say too much more we'll get to that eventually but mike was there anything else you wanted to say about too tough to die well not necessarily about this film however if you are interested in the ramones or want to know more about them i saw a great documentary from 2004 called end of the century story of the ramones and that really gets in depth from their beginning basically to the end um i think at that point joey had passed away in 2001 so they weren't doing any more shows and and basically the complete history of the ramones and if you are an even bigger fan of the ramones or just like great movies i suggest you check out 
from 1979 Rock and Roll High School starring yeah. PJ Souls and the Ramones, <laughs> where she is sort of this Ramones-obsessed high school girl who just is trying to get to one of their concerts. I haven't seen it in about 10 years, but after talking about Ramones and watching this, I'm definitely going to try and watch it soon. Uh, so that'll do it for today on Cage Club. For all things Cage Club, all things Nicolas Cage, you can go to cageclub.me. You can read our reviews, find past podcasts, follow us on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, all sorts of fun stuff at cageclub.me. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time on Cage Club. And in a moment of passion